If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is not Richard Dreyfus, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie Podcast at 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years, from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission, out in paperback now. And if you can't read, the audiobook is still available. Electric Now? What does that mean? It means that you can watch us do these wonderful podcasts and so many other things, too. Hey, uh, Darren. Yes. When I was a kid, I used to love The Electric Company. You know why? Because I knew one day Morgan Freeman would be a great actor. But <laughs> if there's one thing I love about electricity that's even better than Schoolhouse Rock and The Electric Company, it's the Electric Now channel. But also, they're turning it on and bringing the power. Yes, they are. <laughs> and we're turning you on. And No, 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 no. that's a highly <laughs> inappropriate. All. Okay, well, we are turning on the power here at Electric Surge, where you may have, for the last year or so, been enjoying these amazing audio podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made. Now you, you can watch You them. ain't seen nothing yet, no, but you now you can. <laughs> you can on Electric Now, available on Stir TV and Distro TV, which you can download from your favorite app store, and soon coming to the Electric Now app. Get to see us as you've never seen us before, <laughs> because you've only seen us in the theater of the imagination. Now we're going to be on your tablet, on your telephone, on your TV, and in your house. With <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. So make sure to check out Electric Now, streaming now on Stir TV and Distro TV and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And welcome to It's a Wonderful Life. It, it's, the, it's the holidays, holiday <laughs> season, and we're getting very close to uh, Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and Chrismica and all those fun stuff. So we, we thought it would be interesting to look at, because there's not really like a Christmas episode of, well, I mean, I guess in generations, Picard's family dies brutally on Christmas. Yeah, uh, that's not. So yeah. we, we figured, you know, it'd be nice to sort Picard's of look at- Picard's roasting on an open fire. No. <laughs> Not not appropriate. <laughs> so we, we, we thought for the for the holiday, you know, why not look at the sort of it's it's a wonderful life. Very clearly it's a wonderful life episode of, of Next Generation, one of our favorite episodes. And we're lucky enough to have with us today um JC Brandy who played uh Marta in that episode. Welcome. Thank long time ago, me. huh? Yeah, very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good episode. It still stands the test of time. Yeah. One of one 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 of one of our and we've talked about the show before, and also it's a great way to sort of, um, you know, uh, get ready for the new uh, Picard series debuting in uh, January, January twenty third. 
Oh, thank you. Because, of course, Darren worked on uh, on Picard, and uh, I guess uh, I should say we're, we're, we're already excited about it, aren't we? I know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have... We're very excited. Much excitement. <laughs> and, 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 and joining me on my right, and those of you who are watching on the Electric Now app actually can see him uh, sitting there. On your left. <laughs> Technically on my left, yes. <laughs> and uh, that would be uh, the writer of Thor and X-Men First Class. And, of course, the uh, writer-producer of such shows as Lore and Fringe and uh, Black Sails and the untitled secret project that we keep alluding to but can't talk about, Ashley Miller. Welcome back, Ashley. Thank you. It's good to be back. Right? It is great to be back. Tell me uh, about, you know, today we're talking about the episode Tapestry. Struck by a lethal blow. He's in cardiac arrest. With little hope for survival, Picard journeys to the other side. Welcome to the afterlife, Sean. You're dead. Now Q offers him man's ultimate desire to change his own destiny. But will he alter the past to stay alive? I gave you something most mortals never experience. Or die on the operating table next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Can you kind of set the table and tell us a little bit about why this is a great episode? Uh, You know, just to refresh people's memories who don't have the episode titles memorized, you know, what Tapestry is. Tapestry is basically an attempt to tell a story about Captain Picard that shows that he hasn't always been the guy that uh, that we see on the bridge. You know, the very, like, in control of himself, elder statesman, diplomat, uh, intellectual, um, tea-drinking, occasional stick in the mud. Uh, and that once upon a time, you know, he had a little bit of piss and vinegar in him. Uh, you know, back when he was in the academy, and uh, and what happens in this story is Q gives Picard uh, a chance to relive those academy days and, and a, make different choices and make different choices, particularly surrounding a uh, an incident that occurred that caused him to uh, to require an artificial heart. Now, of course, now these nowadays, I guess they would have grown him a, a new heart with stem cells or. Recast his heart but. <laughs> nowadays, <laughs> now, nowadays. nowadays, but <laughs> As still in the twenty fourth century. Right. Yeah. But but it, but it was an event that that helped forge him into the uh, into the man that we that we now know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good uh, cliff, <laughs> cliff notes on that episode, and it's kind of interesting because um, ultimately, I guess in that episode, we we learn that for him to become the person that he is, he has to have. Um, you know, been this young rabble rouser. You know, he gets stabbed by the Nausicans. You right. know, and had, and had he not done that, he probably would have lived a very dreary life. I, I'm, I, you know, at the time it seemed like a really cool message. I'm not sure in retrospect yeah. it, it, it necessarily the the point that it's making is necessarily 100 percent true. But I want to ask you: Have you watched the episode recently? Have you? I looked- did. I wa- Well, I watched part of it with my daughter because I was like, "Hey, want to see me when I was <laughs> closer to your age?" <laughs> you know. So um, I have actually watched the episode again recently. And- I, I still, I mean, it sounds awful to say because I'm in it, but I love the episode. I was a fan of, of Next Generation before I auditioned, and uh, I, I do think, like, writing-wise, it is, I like all the Q episodes. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't love watching myself in it. I'm like, no. You know? <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I've seen it recently. What did your daughter think about you sleeping with Picard? I mean, that's, She was like, know. You know, Mom. <laughs> Mom. so but but I have a pitch because they're doing this, uh, you know, the new show, mm-hmm. and uh, Patrick Stewart doesn't age, 
right? But I have, so like maybe the time is to bring Marta back and I can play her. That's right. Well, I mean, you were such a significant figure in his life. I mean, young Picard. I mean, you went to the academy together. I mean, you were going off your separate ways. I mean, you were the one that got away. That's exactly right. So, I mean, because I've had some fans tell me through the years, oh, they should have brought back your character. It was a cool character. I'm like, yeah, but I couldn't play it because I'm so much younger than the character would be in real time. But he hasn't. He doesn't age. I know. It's it's incredible. Right. I, and I got to so, tell you, if I had a way, the two choices, Jonathan Del Arco is Hugh the Borg or, or you, my vote's for you. Bring yeah. it back. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, Darren, why is that a great episode? We, you know, why, why are we single, you know, doing this? We don't usually often do episodes about um, a, a single episode of a show, but Tapestry really stands head and shoulders above a lot of the next generation. I think it's good because it takes this character that, you know, by that time we knew him very well from his uh, actions and reactions on the show. And we were invested in him. And it's always fascinating to sort of backtrack and see, number one, uh, where those character traits may have come from um, and see how they reacted as uh, as younger people. Um, you know, I think it's for all its faults, the second or the third Indiana Jones film, where we see young Indy, you know, apparently develop all his traits in the space of about a half an hour when he was a kid. Um, it's something like that, but it's it's more thought out and it's more interesting, frankly. And you know, the it it also sort of addresses very specifically all of our questions about our own choices in life and, and how. Uh, how our life would have branched off if we'd made different choices. And it's always a fascinating thought experiment to uh, think about. And when you see it happen with a character that you're very familiar with, it's very entertaining and very interesting. Well, and I think could, oh, sorry, it's, it's very successful in that. And I also think people, I mean, this is so silly. What you said was very deep and, and true. But people also really liked, I think, that it, you know, uh, the, to see the old uniforms, the original series sure. uniforms, and, and, and sort of that it brought that into it, too. I had a lot of absolutely people tell me they just really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing, and, and the reason we talk about it, it's a wonderful life, it's exactly the sort of, you know, when George Bailey, you know, he thinks the world would have been better without him. And then, and then he got into the fight with the Nausicans. <laughs> <laughs> and then Clarence the Angel sort of shows him what, his, you know, the world would have been like had he not existed. I mean, it's very similar in the sense that in this case, you know, had Picard gone left instead of right, this is the life that he would have had. And, um, you know, it, it was such a great conceit that Ron Moore came up with in this episode. And, you know, really well-written. And some of the most memorable Q banter of all time, John mm-hmm. Luke Pickard and all mm-hmm. this fun stuff. But at the same time, uh, and I, I love the ambiguity of the ending. Did this really happen or was right. it just a dream? Um, tell us a little bit about your involvement. I, I assume, you know, your agents called and said, we have an audition for Star Trek. Yeah. And you went in to see Ron Serma and, and Judy Lowry. J- Lowry, Judy Lowry. Um, can you Meryl tell us- Burgess. <laughs> yeah, went to go see Jessica von Puttermaker. So tell us a little bit about, you know, sort of where this began for you. So I'm pretty sure, you know, God, such a long time ago, but I'm, you know, this is before we taped ourselves and sent it. Yes, before everything was self-taped. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure I had the audition and the callback the same day, if I remember correctly. If not, it was very close space together. No one's going to dispute you. Um, but I had a... Uh, friend who was like, oh, no, you will be on Star Trek. Sit down. We're going to run these lines all day long, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes that's also what it takes is like, you know, 
so much of how much you get to prepare for an audition. And um, but I found. I found it really. We talked about this, you know, years ago. God, for Cine Fantastic, many, yeah, many, many, many years, many ago, years yes. ago. I found I found it really relatable because when you're young and you have really close friends of the opposite sex, it it, it can be confusing to know what the feelings are involved in that. And so, um, I, there was something about it. I thought this is really um, a human story, and it could be in any show, not just. Right, like we all have those moments when we're young with friends, where it's like, oh, you know, do they like me back? Do right. I like them? What are the feelings? Yeah. Are we going to ruin the friendship? And uh, also going to start a new life, and and will we ever see each other again? And so, um, you know, that's just what you do as an actor. You find what you can relate yeah. to about it, and you you go with it. And um, I was very excited because I I loved the show and. It was one of those shows where you're like, I got to be on Star Trek. Yeah. I love that he's so clearly, uh, you know, she's so clearly attracted to Picard, but she knows he's bad for her because he, yeah. obviously at the time he's not a great guy. Right. And then suddenly when our Picard shows up and is a little more thoughtful and, and, and um, you know, not charging forward and a little more responsible, suddenly she thinks, oh, you know, and uh, maybe, you know, we can have a relationship. <laughs> but it's funny because, yeah. Exactly, exactly what you just just said about it at the end. But there, because the thing is, is that we we see in people what we want to see, right? So, so there's there's always probably that hope that can he be more? Can he be more? So that's why it's there the second she sees it, you know, because people he had to always have that in him. You don't totally become somebody new, right? So my guess is, or my guess was, was that she saw qu- moments of that quality. Mm. But just not for long enough, yeah. you know, before that moment. Yeah. But that's, you know, the backstory you make up that I'm – I also really, you know, it's funny in seeing it now is that that um, because of Quantum Leap at the time, <laughs> even though they didn't do the Quantum Leap, he looks in the mirror and he sees himself. Right. It was the same concept, right? Absolutely. And so I think because we were all aware of that show maybe that that, that sold better mm. at that time. My daughter was like, I don't get it. Why is he not young? You know, so right. – um, I, I, I don't know. I don't and that's know when you explain, was... well, because the actor wanted an episode where he gets to fight and be sexy and get the girl. And, he was and... so <laughs> horrified at how young I looked in person. <laughs> he was horrified. He was like, you've got to make her look older, you know? So, because wow. I, I showed up the first day, uh, you know, I don't know if it was for, uh, yeah, it was probably for the fitting and like a test makeup thing. I don't, I don't really remember. Um, and, uh, I was wearing, you know, it's the 90s, right? Early 90s then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was wearing, like, overalls and a tank top. Probably had my hair in pigtails, you know, that's how you, like, look back then. And he was like, she looks like she's 14 years old. Because if I didn't have any makeup on right, us, Right, right, right. <laughs> go make her, so that, you know, they teased my hair. and Yeah, Next Generation, they you know, Rick Berman had a thing about hair. They were very much focused on hair and uniforms. Oh. oh, the uniform room was unbelievable, <laughs> right? Like all the all the like the muscle padding that goes under the men's suits and right. the other padding that goes under the female suits. Yeah, and yeah. That was so cool. So when you got the gig, you know, when you got the call from here, it's like, oh, you got it, you booked the show. You must have been very excited, particularly as a Star Trek fan. Not yes. only you're excited to get a gig, but you're also getting exactly. on Star Trek. Get to you know be on the ship and. Do you remember what it was like? Because, of course, you never actually are on the ship. 
but you know the swing stage is right next to where right, right, right. they're shooting. Did you like I, check everything out? Yeah, I did, and I have. I should have brought it. I have because it's actually it might be in my car, but um, I have uh, because I of the fires in Japan. I had to evacuate, and I took everything. Oh, geez, I still oh. have my script, right? So, but I had everyone sign it. Um, mm. Who was on it? Because I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, yeah, there was one day. Um, I went earlier and they let me watch a little bit on the ship. They were shooting the end of the last episode before that. Or, no, 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 they were shooting the scenes on the ship uh, that I wasn't in, that are in the future. Right, right, yeah. Right. right. And that weird, I, I just said that memory of that weird pool table looking. <laughs> the damn yeah, jack. The damn yeah. jack table. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it looked like it was jump, like a jump. weird um, pinball meets pool kind right. of. A, right. With the ding, 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 you know, sort of noises. And it was really, I mean, it felt like there were, it felt like being there. It didn't, it didn't feel uh, like being on a set in mm-hmm. a weird way, which mm. is always so helpful. Mm-hmm. It was very well built. You felt yeah. like you were in the 24th century. Um, and was it, I imagine, you know, look, obviously, besides Star Trek, Patrick Stewart was a very, um, uh, you know, important, you know, actor. He'd done a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah. He'd done I, Claudius. done a lot of, you Dune. know. Dune. Dune. Uh, you know, a big, regal kind mm-hmm. of actor. I imagine he'd be, for a young actress who's starting out in the business, could be very intimidating to work with an actor of yeah. his caliber. I was just... Um, What's the word? Enthralled. And just he's such an artist. You know, I I learned so much about um, how you can bring the craft of your training, which I I don't I don't even um, think I had thought about at that point in my life, even though I had been to school and trained right Mm -hmm. um, to film in the same way you can to stage. Just the 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 um, how specific he is with his every moment, you know, and even looking back now, um, the things that are in between the lines that he brings, you know, and I, I think that the nerves came in from, oh, I have not prepared like that, mm-hmm. you know, because I was young and um, you go so much on instinct then. So and, you know, yes, a little bit uh, excited, excited more than uh, nervous, I and, think. And Les Landau was the, the director on that. I, right. re- I remember. Mm-hmm. You can say, Darren. No, no, no. I, I, I was just... Uh, Enjoying the did, did did you find that once you did the episode there was a lot of you know a lot of people who you normally wouldn't hear from when you did an hour of episode TV like oh my god I saw you on Star Trek or you were great on that show or anything I like that can't remember if that was yeah, a, I think you know now in the world of Facebook and I'm sure that would be way more true mm-hmm. people suddenly reach out to you right you guys probably have the same experiences too with people seeing things you do or. Um, but then it was like you were in touch with whoever's phone number you had in right. your phone. So, um, so not a lot of instant messages after that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, people, we didn't even have. I'm trying to think. Well, we didn't, cell phones did we were like have, we did, but we had the brick cell phones back then. <laughs> or yeah, I mean, it was smoke signals. It was even before did the trio. Did you have a cell phone back then? I did. I did not. I did. I think I, I had a pager for the longest time. Oh God. Yeah. You'd find out you had an audition when your agent paged you. That's exactly right. Yeah. Wow. And then you'd uh, you'd call in. You'd call in. Got it. And now my daughter's starting an audition and everything is just email only. They're just, there's no contact. <laughs> right. There's no wow. contact with the agents at it's all. crazy, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. It's the same thing on our side of the industry. It's like it used to be, you know, you would always take lunches and meetings and you'd really right. get to know the people on the other side of the table who are buying material. And now 
it's it's kind of like everything's emails and like you never see anybody until they hire you. Right. And, and then uh, you're so happy to see them, right? Yeah, yeah. but there's like there no go. relationship. And it used right. to be all about, you know, sort of building the relationships and people would work with people because they liked them because they wanted to work right. with them, you know? Yeah. And it's like now you have no relationships with like the development executives and executives until you're actually working for them. It's so funny. And in the acting, it's, it's completely crazy. changed. Everything's self-tape. Everything. You know, it's, it's I... I I mean, we used to spend so much time auditioning people and, and having people come to the room, and, and now everything's just like tape, 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 tape. <laughs> how, do you, how do you find, I mean, this is off subject, but how no, is not the whole, how, This whole no, podcast is off subject. It's a We've never stayed on life, subject, so, ever. We just order. keep saying that, maybe. Uh, um, but, but how do you find, I'm just curious, because I would feel like, especially if you don't know somebody's work, is it harder to take a chance on somebody new if you're just seeing them on tape for something, or do you just trust they did it once they can do it again? Or like you want you want to take that? You want me to take that? Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the whole casting process, right? So, yeah. okay, well, I'll tell you a dirty little secret. Okay. So, with uh, with my with my show that I'm doing right now, like half of my casting process is. Um, reaching out to actors that have done things that I love. You too, huh? Yeah. Would you, would you, can you believe that, Mark Goldman? I mean, and I wish I could, like, name names because it makes me super-duper excited. But let's just say that if you're a Star Trek fan and you know that I'm a Star Trek fan, um, you have a pretty good idea of some people whose voices you might hear on my show and who might have been in my uh, recording booth last week and talked very gruffly. Is it a voice? So it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's anim- animated. Anim- so, animated. And, and frankly, in terms of casting a, casting a room, it's a little bit the same thing. And we, I think of it like when hiring writers or being hired as it's like a, it's a casting process. It's kind of a relationship. It's who you know. But frankly, in terms of getting to know who writers were, um, you know, there was a lot of just here's, you know, an email intro with a bio that you open up and like and here's their sample um, with actors for the most part, unless it was people that I, I knew because I knew their work. It's just here are 15 records. It's like not even faces. I'm not even looking at resumes. My casting director has already kind of weeded those people out. So, uh, you know, I'm assuming that everybody like knows what they're doing and they're a professional. And I just I just listen. You just mm. And that's all I do. It's all tape. I had one actor who I hired was a special case who um, I'd worked with before who for some reason decided that he he needed to to give me a video audition, mm. which was astonishing. Uh, but, you know, really, truly, for the most part, how did that work out for him? Um, it worked. Oh, my God. He was like he was so great. He was so. So it so helped great. him to oh, take it, the it, chance. And it totally video. helped. Yeah, him. it totally helped him. Uh, but, yeah, it gets I don't know, man, you're right. Things have changed quite a bit like in just i would say even the last 10 years things have changed well it's funny i was really big on i like to meet people in the room i like to ask them questions and not even so much have them read but it's like oh special skills toe dexterity why is that on your resume you know and and so you know i, I like to do that and i was very and on this last show that i did it was um with very little time so i had to do off tape and now it's like, oh yeah, this is you'll, you'll never get back in there. You're like I'm actors so, are a pain I'm in the so on the whole yeah. tape uh, thing now. Uh, it just it's so much less time consuming, and I I felt that it was ultimately more productive. But uh, you know, along the lines of what you said, I mean, this is a funny story that actually relates to the show. I mean, we had an episode we were casting um, 
we need a sort of Samuel Cogley, attorney at law uh, character. And we had literally just done the podcast with Jeffrey Combs. And he had come to lunch with us. And he was talking about, oh, you know, uh, you know, where you shoot? And I said, oh, you know, we just got back from Sophia. And he said, oh, I would really love to go back there at some point. You know, I had a great time shooting whatever it was he was shooting there. And, I mean, after the podcast, we were figuring out who would play this role. I said, you know, Jeffrey Combs was just on the podcast. He'd be great. And I, and I know he wants to go to Europe. So, um, and then, you know, like three weeks after we did the podcast, you know, we were shooting Jeffrey Combs and, you know, for, for, uh, for Pandora. And it was just so funny because it was like, it, it directly had to do with him being on our show. So, um and Jeff is a, is a great actor who was on a show that I really loved. So, you know, ca- casting somebody like Jeff Combs would be really easy for me to get my head around. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but along those lines, I mean, you, you by just listening to the actors, that sort of takes away the... Um, you know, if if someone has uh, a lot more experience, or that sort of answers right, your yeah. question. That uh, you know, someone with a lot less experience, if they if they bring it to the recording, then that gives them a, a you know it, a, a better than even chance. It does. Well, it really does. And that's voiceovers, and to even get a voiceover right. agent, you have to have a ton of experience. Correct. Yeah. So right. that's it's, it's a tough own. skill, yeah, man. I've a... had to teach like actors who um, who don't do voiceover how to do voiceover like on the day in the right. process. And it's like when you're used to using your face and your oh, body yeah. and like this whole performance, and you suddenly only have one tool. Mm-hmm. I I think it's so hard. You know, um, when I have friends who do voiceovers, they they're just given the sheet and they have to do what they think it is and there's no feedback mm-hmm. um, because there's so many different tones mm-hmm. to voiceovers, right? If you're doing a, a sort of a mic, um, like a Beavis and Butthead, sort of a, sure. everything's very... Mike Judge, yeah. Mike Judge, thank you. Uh, uh, very monotone almost right. as opposed to something else where you might need a lot of animation and, and, and pitch. And um, Those are the things I, I think that in not getting in the room with people, even for auditions, you're missing your... You're in your own world of, okay, this is my hit on it and... Uh, mm-hmm. I hope it's in line yeah, because you don't get to true. ask any questions. You don't get to sit there and, uh, you know, and, and after a while of auditioning, you can get a sense when, you know, you see somebody when they're like lit up. You can feel the energy when you're, you know, and, and or if you lose them and there's always the opportunity to say, hey, you know, I had another idea about right. that. Can I can I try it this way? And, it takes away the advantage you yeah. may have about being able to take instruction. You're absolutely right, right, right about that. And I think you also want to get a sense, you know, and Nick Meyer once said this is like, you know, are they crazy? Are they this? Are they are they going to be easy to work with? Right. You know, you right. get that sense you can't get on tape. You know, particularly for a season regular or recurring. You know, for a guest, you can get through anything on a guest spot. But right. it's like, um, but it, you know, I think of an example. There was a show I, I did called Agent X, and we were just trying to find this sort of larger than life villain empresario who had just a ton of charisma. And we're sitting there and we're sitting there with the director of the episode and we're seeing person after person and it's just awful and we're so depressed because everyone's coming in, they're underplaying and they're just terrible and and then this one guy comes in um, and he just bounds in and he did something very cocky and arrogant which was right for the character and it was very intentional. He goes, guys, you look so depressed. Well, don't worry, I'm here. <laughs> uh, you know, your your worries are over. Right. Now, normally you think, what an ant, you know. But right. he knew that that was exactly the tone right. the character should have. And he blew us away. And all we all lit up. And it was great. And he ended up getting the role. And I've actually used him a couple of times since. But um, but you wouldn't get that on a self-tape. Right, right. You know? 
Well, and the advantage for you is you can also just go when they're boring and terrible, like next, next. Yeah, yes, right? exactly. You don't have to sit there and watch it. Yeah, that's Well, and also, painful. you know, assuming your casting director is good, as, as yeah. it was in your case, my goodness, mm-hmm. you know, they, they weed out they a lot weed of out, the, yeah. It's like, are, is this person right. directable? It's almost baked into the cake when you get, like, the, the, the list. And the great news is right. with voiceover, everybody's directable. Because here's the dirty little secret, it, and it took me a while to figure this out, right? Like, yeah. the, the last thing in the world I would want to do to you on a set okay. would be to say, I want you to say it this way, <laughs> right? And just have you say it exactly that way, right? And Why do you I, sound like Ingo Montoya? I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I was That was my Meredith Burgess. Um, but... In, in voiceovers, voiceovers, you can give line reads. Yes. And in fact, sometimes like I've had actors go, well, can you just give me the read? I'm like, what? Like, it, mm-hmm. it took me a couple of episodes to get used to hearing that question. I actually, from a really excellent director, I like line readings. And, mm-hmm. I'll, and, I'm, and it's a weird thing for an actor to say. And, I, and I, the reason I say it is because I'm responsible for filling it, right? Like, it doesn't, to me, that doesn't take anything creative away from me. I mean, and if the person knows what they're saying, because what it means is as an actor, I've missed the operative the operative words right. right like i'm missing something in the meaning of it that right. the director sees that right um changes it changes the uh um intention of what i'm doing and so sometimes that's the clearest way to communicate something right. um and it wasn't actually till I started studying Shakespeare that I, I realized how much I liked line readings because right. you, so much of what you do there is you find the operative words. Like, right. what is the most important part of what you're saying? Right. What is the meaning that's yeah. intended so that you can get around that? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think line readings are, you know, great. I think that it's uh, like it become, it's become this fight between like, oh, a good director never gives a line reading. Well, that's true if, if, if it's not for a reason, but mm-hmm. if it's... Uh, I actually, but if there's a problem, I they need to direct. I, th- yeah. I, th- I yeah. think if they're yeah. a good director, yeah. great. Yeah. We're all scarred for life from that uh, famous Shatner oh, right. audio where I guess he's being directed for this video game. Oh, right. And the guy so is saying, you know, you're, can you do it more like this? You're lost right. in the void. And then Shatner says, don't tell me how to do it. It sickens me. <laughs> <laughs> and, God bless him. And, and, then, and then the guy says, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Shatner. No, he says, no, do it again. And then Chatter just torments this guy. And he's like, you know, and, and, and this guy says, well, the line is like this. And he goes, so Chatter goes, so the, you want me to say it like this? And then Chatter's just totally screwing with him for a half hour, you know, just wow. doing exactly right. like the guy, um, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, yes, the guy was wrong. But right. Oh, my God. What Chatter puts him through is just awful. But, it, you know, look, it, it, it is you don't want to give a line reading to an actor unless they specifically ask for it. And then, you know, it's always. Well, uh, or unless you can't you're stuck in the way to commute like you've missed something in the meaning. And so I'm going to say it for you this way. See what you get right. from that as opposed to say it this way. Well, yeah. The reason the reason you don't give a line reading at first is you want to see what the actor brings right. to. Yes. It. You want to see what their interpretation is, right? Because it might be way better than what you think, right? But yeah. do you think that the uh, emphasis on a word here or there becomes the interpretation of the actor? Right? I guess that's. Yeah. I'm having a weird well, artist discussion that probably sure. is. No, it's all good. Right no, no, no. It's all good. Um, you say sabotage. Like, I say sabotage. Most famous like lines so. of dialogue in history. You know, Luke, I am your father. But imagine if the emphasis was different. Luke, I am your father. Yeah, well, it right. changes Luke, the I meaning. Am your father. Luke, it changes the meaning, father. the implication. Right, exactly. Yeah. You put a question mark on the end of it, Luke, right. I am your father? Come on. It's like the entire line changes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. 
Don Corleone. That's funny. <laughs> so, tapestry. Tapestry. Oh, my God. I'm like the worst guest you've ever had. Not at all. No, no, that was. No, the, the show was built on asides, on, on going down weird uh, little serpentine <laughs> where, roads. Where Picard's life was derailed, much like. This conversation. Episode, Andrew, we need you to put us back <laughs> and on. And I'm guilty. In, in no, no, no. It's a, look, it's all interesting and it's all good. And then you so. worked with on. With, you had the big stunt where you fought the Gnostic. and it was I nice did. because a lot of times, even in the '90s, you would have like there were episodes where like Troy and Crusher when they would fight, they would like take flower pots, and it was that old kind of well, well the men have to fight, but the women don't get to do anything right. cool. They, right. you know, they have to be shrinking violets. But you actually get to kick a little ass in that scene, which is nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you had to be worthy of Picard. Yes. You know, yeah. and then and, you, and with you know the Nosigans, so that was right. really which were big hulking guys. Amazing, yeah. That those, was fun. Those, those were good makeups back, too. Back in the days when you had stunt doubles, right? For, for fighting, <laughs> yeah. right? You mean Dennis Madelone didn't put on a wig and and be you? <laughs> <laughs> and the same uh, woman um, doubled for me in that and in um, Halloween mm. and in another horror movie I did that never came out. But yeah, so she worked with me. And she, we were the same size. <laughs> but that's fun, you know. You you go, you know, you're watching it when it's all done, and it's like, uh, oh yeah, look at me kicking ass. I yeah, like it. I love it. Yeah, it's good. To, so, um, any interesting things that you? I mean, again, it's a long time, but do you remember about that shoot? I imagine you know they were shooting what seven, eight day weeks. Yeah, and you probably worked maybe four of those. I would think. I think I was there. I mean, I I know they hired me for the whole week. Right. And, um, and I had, think I had like three or four forced calls. Mm. Yeah, well, they went so, pretty late, those guys. Yeah, well, and, my, and the calls were pretty early because yeah. of the aliens. So <laughs> that's so bizarre. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but uh, that was rare, right? Like you never, I mean, as an actor, you loved it because you were getting paid hey, so yeah. much mm-hmm. for it, right? Like so I wound up making twice as much money on it, I think. Um, but, but yeah. That that was unusual. I think that's the only thing I've ever worked on where they had a force call. Everybody goes out of their way to avoid it because it's so expensive. But no, Star Trek was a pretty brutal schedule. I mean, they would see the dawn, you know, on Saturday, yeah. and you know they they had very late, they had very short turnarounds. It was it was it was, and and you know they also had what they had a cast of eight people, so they had a lot of big scenes which were like six seven handers, which you can need so much more coverage, mm-hmm. and so I mean and. Even though they shot mostly on the lot, they very infrequently went on location. But they still had, I mean, those were long days. And just doing the special effects at the time took longer, you know, uh, because there was a lot of compositing and everything that yeah. would go in. Um, I, w- I wonder whatever happened to that pinball table, that domjock table. Dom-jock table. Dom-jock. I would like it's, that domjock You know, table. I'm, I'm sure it was used for many things afterwards. Uh, don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, did, did you learn how to play the game? No. See, so you learn how to fight in Nazgul. No, I, I wish I could remember, <laughs> but I do remember the. Okay, so I remember the costuming, right? Like I remember the fitting, and I remember, like I said, the undergarments under the uniforms were hilarious mm-hmm. to me. Um, <laughs> well, they were famous for like padding all well, that's the why females. I was like, I, I'm like, I get to be a double D. What? <laughs> this is so cool. In the future, <laughs> like, there is no woman who no, does not right, have well, double Ds. Apparently, apparently, that was a big so, thing for them at the time. Um, but but I do remember like being a little disappointed that the communicators were just like this little plastic thing with a Velcro, a oh, piece yeah. of Velcro on it. And they had like a bag of them. 
Yeah, the communicator pin was wood with a Velcro strip yeah, on the yeah, back yeah. that attached the uniforms. Yeah. And I was like, can I take like 10 of those with me just to have? And they're like, no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you didn't take one anyway? I had one for a long time. I don't know what happened to it. Oh, you lost your I lost my I think I think I wound up giving it to a friend who was like just... Yeah. Mm. Your friend had, eBay had to have no 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 no. no. Oh. I still have I still have two of my call sheets though. Oh nice. Yeah. I was gonna say the statute of limitations is over. So if you did no, yeah. <laughs> no I, I didn't I didn't eBay. Anything. Oh you should have brought the call I, sheet. Oh we could have gone. I might have it in this box of I, I'm sure I have the interview with us. It's like all of my you know like a little mementos from yeah. From if, the, if my house burns down, I, I don't want to lose this. At least you have. My, yeah. yeah. It, but everything's okay now. The fire is. Yeah. It is, didn't. We didn't have to evacuate. It oh, was. A voluntary evacuation in Topanga. It's still so. scary though because totally you don't scary. know which way the winds are going to go, and yeah, it just takes one spark, right? And you don't yeah. sleep because what? Some somebody going to knock on my door if the and say it's time to go. Them. Yeah, yeah. So it's sometimes better to leave during those yeah. times. It's been really bad the last few uh, years. Darren had to evacuate too. Yeah, He's up in out the Coldwater Canyon. Days. Coldwater Canyon. Not Coldwater Canyon. You're up in Canyon uh, Country. Canyon Country. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is a drive for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's how much he loves his audience. That's right. That he makes this drive to, to be here with you guys. Sacrifices of an say, artist. Yeah, yeah. He, it's a lot of gas. A lot of gas. I um, wish I had more uh, fun stories. Fun tidbit. No, you I were just... doing your job. Well, the, and the thing is, is that mostly I just remember a lot of tension around how young I looked showing up without makeup at right. first that, that uh, he was not happy about looking like he was having to kiss a child. So Right. And what's interesting, yeah, which, you didn't really get to work with the rest of the cast because, of course, you were really, you know, it was just um, you and with Sir Patrick Pat. and then yeah. Ned Vaughn, yeah. who was not another guest star that episode. Right. Yeah. Um, I met them the day... Um, that I went in for fittings. Everyone was super nice to me, so it wasn't. No, that's good. Yeah. So how how was how was Sir, how was uh, actually acting with Sir Patrick when it finally came to the time? Unbe- unbelievable! I did just remember something. I had to loop the entire scene. Uh-huh. Oh, really? That entire scene. If you watch it, um, and it was early in the morning, and I was so, I just struggled with getting the same tone in my voice, and it's one of the things that I. Um, that upsets me because, like, just as an actor, because um, the last line is not looped, and you can you can hear the difference in my voice. There's more intimacy when I was uh, there with him. Mm. Um, it was amazing. That's my. And I'm going to ask you like a question that you're not going to remember, but I'm just really curious now. You had ADR. You had to loop the the entire scene, which means to go. After, the sound isn't good. Um, now that was on set. For, they've been doing this. this. Is the fifth season or sixth season of the show? Like, do you remember what was wrong? I mean, was it like the camera dollying or like what? Oh, okay. Squeaky dolly. Squeaky oh. dolly. Okay. The dolly was squeaking through the whole thing. That's so everything, funny. if you watch it up until I say, you said so now, that's mm-hmm. the take. Everything prior to that right. is um, looping. Wow. Yeah. wow. But I was very proud of myself that I was able to nail all the, well, the timing you. of it, you know? Well, I watched it last night. And you I'm, can't tell. No, you can't I couldn't tell. tell. And I, I thought you're you're really good in the episode. And that's a that's Thank a you. really difficult skill. Yeah. A really difficult yeah. looping. Skill. You know who the best loopers are? Rappers. The best people I've ever they can go into the booth because no, seriously, it's not a joke. It's true. Whenever I, like people who are hip hop guys Timing. because they're so used to Musical. being. Yeah. So they yeah. can match in the booth like 
I've never done ADR as quick as, as it is with like rappers. They go bop, 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 and mm-hmm. they match their lip movements and it's spot on and they're done. It's really amazing. Anyway, talk about Thanks another complete <laughs> non sequitur. <laughs> but um, I'm a little ADHD, so I'm I mean, <laughs> but you must be happy that I mean, this is you know, this episode has really stood the test of time. There are other actors who've done episodes which are complete duds, right? right. You know, just you know, there's a lot of episodes, seven seasons of a twenty twenty six. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. most of them are not very good. We remember the good ones, right. and you're one of the best of the best. You know, yeah. so I'm, there's something nice about that. Um, have you afterwards done any conventions or any? I would love to do a convention. I haven't. Um, I haven't done any conventions. I years ago, I, I think I was in touch with somebody through somebody, and they said they don't have a lot of episodic people come in because there's so many episodes. But that's right? changed. So yeah, I think it's changed. Mm-hmm. I've done. A, I've done a, a lot of the horror conventions because mm-hmm. of the Halloween, and I right. I love it. It's a. Uh, it's fun to be a part of something that is meaningful to people's experience right. of art, you know, um, and I would or, think or would culture, be... whatever, you know. And, and uh, I meet a lot of uh, Star Trek fans at the horror. Con- they find right. me at the horror convention, so that's that's nice. Um, and I have you know the pictures there for Star Trek too. Well, good lord! Um, Fifteen years ago, I went to a convention where I am not making this up. Uh, Lolita Fajo, who was the script coordinator. For next generation, yeah, she represents the actors now. Yeah. yeah, and she was there, and she was signing autographs and charging for them. She was yeah. the script the coordinator. coordinator. Yeah, she that was, skill. She was the assistant. All right, now that is yeah, definitely right, yeah. a skill. Way harder but, than what I, I mean. Do. She was signing autographs. Well, but I think what she does is she actually represents a lot of the guest stars now, a lot of the okay. talent for conventions. So I think she's there anyway. Right. But it's incredible to me that she can charge. For autographs, yeah, or that would charge for it, right? I was like, my God, am I in the wrong business? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you know, I, I did craft services on uh, Star Trek Mixer Agent, and uh, I gave everybody you... a Reese's peanut butter cup. I, I, I'll sign your Reese's peanut butter cup for you. <laughs> um, it's kind of like uh, crazy. Uh, so let, let, I gotta ask. So at the end of the episode, uh-huh. you know, uh, Q uh, sort of gives him this Sophie's choice. He says, "You can either, um, uh, you know." Um, be the man you were and die on the table mm-hmm. or you can continue to live for another 20, 30 years or whatever but um, because you've avoided this encounter with the Nausicans, but you're going to not be the man you were. And we see this really sad sort of sad sack Picard wearing, where he goes up. Wearing the teal uniform. <laughs> the ghost of the teal. Yeah. 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 And he goes yeah. up to Troy and he goes up to Riker and says, do you think I have what it takes to be a captain or one day command? And they're kind of like, oh, not this conversation yeah, yeah. again. Frank says, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much says that. So, you know, and the other option was, you know, he died. You know, right. as far as he can look, it's a TV series. He obviously didn't die. But Q is telling him, you fight the Nausicans, you're going to die. So what's the right decision there? What decision would you make? What I, decision should he have made? What is the, the famous saying? I'd rather, uh, stand, on, I'd rather stand on my uh, feet and die than live on my knees and yeah. never really live, you know. Right. I, so I think he made the right decision. You have to, you have to uh, live life, you know. Interestingly enough, I think fear at its base is uh, there to protect us from dying. So if it's if you're not gonna if this, being scared of something isn't gonna keep you from acting, then you should just ignore the fear. And I think that's one of the qualities that human beings have that has made human beings develop the 
cultures that they have is that overcoming the fear, we're not animals. We have overcome the fear and through intellect been able to surpass that. And that's one of the things that is important to being human. Fear is the mind killer. <laughs> it's the little death. It's uh, yeah, that brings on total obliteration. Oh, yeah. oh yes, okay. there you go. Yeah, you, you're welcome. Mm. Here. <laughs> so, uh, all these yeah, I like smart people around. I will this. face my fear <laughs> and let it pass through me and Over around. Me and through fear. me, right? And where it is passed, where it is passed, I will turn and see the inner eye to see its path. Wow! All where we the, have is okay. Oh fear. my god! Where the fear, fear is gone, itself. there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Oh, you know, best quote ever. Wow! Wow! We're going to do a lot of Shakespeare and all this stuff today. This isn't Shakespeare. That's no, dunes. but I'm saying we're going to do all these great quotes and <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'll do Churchill. She's duning out. I can, you know, I can tune out with the best of them. Nice. Oh right. Okay, um, Virginia Madsen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but but uh, that, it's an interesting choice that he's he's given. You know, that's what's so great about the episode. It was the right choice for him, mm-hmm. right? Because what he he's not like you know the cozy family guy with six kids and a dog. What, right. Like there there was no other choice right. for somebody else. If he had this other life where you know he didn't become captain, but somebody else did just as good of a job, and he was happily you know enmeshed in something else, but he was miserable in right. the other life. So. You know, he had spent, I guess, six, I guess it was six season, right? His tapestry? No, it's, it's more than that. You do seem different. Well, I'm not, I'm not complaining or anything. I think it suits you. Really? Yes. It's very... Attractive. Johnny, haven't you ever thought about us getting together? Yes, I have actually. I've thought about it for a long time. Why didn't you ever say so? this moment I really have no idea why not you said so now but I mean by this point the audience had really embraced him but you know what I think was kind of great about it is it at least put a different spin on a lot of things that made it difficult to embrace that guy like in the first season. I mean, we were talking about a character who inside the first five episodes, I think, surrendered to somebody twice, including right. the Ferengi, right? <laughs> it's like, what is that about? Um, you know, somebody who's just sort of so, like, I want to say emotionally unavailable, but like, but not like in the way that, that Spock was. And I thought it was kind of, I, I liked that Picard was a guy um, who once upon a time like went out and he was a bad boy and he got into fights and he got into trouble and he did all that stuff. He still had all the things that were ultimately going to make him great, but those experiences tempered him into somebody else, uh, which which I think was really the point. It wasn't so much to me about like, are you going to go back and you know stop your buddy from fighting the Nausicans and thereby avoid a, a life threatening wound, you know, the slow death that will kill you, mm-hmm. like you know, thirty years later. It's it was really about. Um, are you willing to accept 
that as a young man, you made a young man's choices and that those choices forged you into the person you are now. And if you got the chance to relive that, like with your experience and the wisdom that you have now, would you would you do that and thereby make your life more boring? And I, I think Picard, thank God, gave the the right answer. He might have given a different answer in season one. I don't know, but but that's what I that's what I really took away from that that episode. That it's yeah. okay to be young and screw up. Well, and, and, and isn't that what it, you know? They say uh, youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. And you know, you do all these stupid things, but at the same time. You know, great things come out of being young and foolish and stupid and, and, you know, things you wouldn't want to do as an adult. And I think that was so great about, you know, Ron Moore's script um, because, you know, we're looking at, at with hindsight 20 years later, you know, and, and we know this is part of Picard's makeup. But watching it for the first time, this was a revelation. Like, you always thought this is the guy with the stick up his ass, kind of, you know, and, and very regimented and serious and um, a little pompous. And um, all of a sudden to find out that he was this, you know, ladies man, this cad, this, this you know, party guy and, you know, fighter. And we didn't brawler. realize it was a dom jock stick. Yeah. It was an incredible um, a piece of character building and world building that Ron did in that episode. And um, he did say something at the time, which I disagree with. You know, he said it was the, the, the opposite of Kirk. In his mind, Kirk sort of started as a bookworm and then Starfleet mm. Academy came out of his shell and he became the more, um, uh, you know, where angels fear to tread, the more the heroic and leaping before he looked and all that stuff. And he had the, the opposite of Picard, who sort of started as this young. But I'm not so sure that that's a, the correct interpretation of, of Kirk. But it is a great arc for Picard. It makes it a much more interesting and rich character, I think. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, I, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I think that interpretation of, of Kirk sort of flies in the face of how I've always sort of seen Kirk. But I do think there's a lot about Picard in that episode that feels like a Jim Kirk. You know, it yeah. just that I mean, maybe, you know, the inter- maybe a, this this helps me a little bit. Maybe a, an interpretation that's that used closer to how we see those characters is that um, life waited a little bit longer with Jim Kirk to kick the unholy crap out of him. Um, and but for each of them, it happened at exactly the right time. And just their experiences made them who they are. It's like it, oh, all of a sudden I'm about to do like the Star Trek five speech about pain. Right? right. It's like Kirk doesn't need Q to tell him he turned left when he should have turned right. Right. And neither does Picard. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you work at much? Do you remember with John Delancey at all? I mean, most of their scenes were together, but obviously he's there. And so the scene in the there's a scene in I think that he shot in the same locations as me. We're not obviously like there are scenes that I walk into after he's walked out of. I think there's one or two of those, um, but. Uh, I didn't actually get to work any lines with him, or, so unfortunately. Funny. He's so he, he was so funny. When I he talked brings, to him a bunch. Yeah, yeah, nice guy, smart guy. Yeah. And when he brings that bouquet of flowers, it's just so funny. Best. And and then wakes up in bed after. Yes. After, right. uh, it's that was such a great uh, you know sort of tease right with the clothes. Oh, it's on a the great floor, transition yeah. because uh, you know Picard goes to sleep with you in bed, and then he wakes up with John, John Delancey. Um, which is interesting, too, because we hadn't really seen Patrick have a lot of relationships with women at that point. I mean, there had been Captain's Holiday, and right. um, but, you know, he was not exactly, quote-unquote, ladies' man. So, I mean, it yeah. was 
I mean, I could understand why he was trepidatious about um, filming a scene with someone who was perceptibly so much younger than he was. People not realizing that, of course, at that time, he's age appropriate. <laughs> right. Right. And I was not. I looked a lot younger off camera, I think, even than I did on camera uh, because of, you know, the way they did my hair and makeup right, right. and all, all Before that. you went through the works. There was also in the scene where um, we're at the restaurant or where I say, you know, we've ruined the friendship. There was a day I remember. I don't remember what it was. I had a great monologue that got cut, and I have total um, actor's anxiety. I'm like, oh, I must have really messed that up, <laughs> <laughs> because that's the scene I was nervous in. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm, and I see it when I watch it. I don't like. I look tense in the wrong way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I hadn't totally learned at that point in my career how to um, relax on mm-hmm. camera while mm-hmm. still having the tension Channel of the, the energy, emotion, right. right? Like that, but to keep the, the my face relaxed and because well because it's important because you can't have tension doesn't work on camera right. unless it's specific to the you know action of the scene did you did you shoot that scene early or did you shoot it late in your schedule I want to say late really um but, but it was my big scene because I had this mm-hmm. big monologue so right. I think I felt the pressure there and here I was with you know Patrick the other scene you know um the intimacy of the other scene made it incredibly easy to do because he's so present, you know? It's such so. a shame because um, where Star Trek excels in is being a lens into the life we live today and not so much, you know, prescient about, oh, Romulans in the future and what is it going to be like in the 24th century, but, you know, sort of examining um, you know, through allegory, metaphor. I mean, obviously that started with the classic Star Trek. But, you know, this whole idea that you talked about earlier um, – you know, what it's like, you know, when you're friends with someone and you decide you want to take it, you know, and do you risk ruining that relationship? Like that is a very interesting part of that episode mm-hmm. that I think a lot of us, you know, can relate to. And it's a shame that that monologue got yeah. cut. And I, maybe I'm hoping, hopefully I'm distorting it in my head and it was just about time of the episode and, you know, focusing on a character that was never going to be back right. again and they just made a... But I, 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 it's my own knowing I wasn't happy with what I did that mm-hmm. day, so... Because for college yeah. especially, I mean, that's a, you know, very, you know, re- relevant kind of yeah. thing to explore. a beautiful monologue, too. I wish I, I remembered what it was, but it was it was really well written. Well, we are, uh, you know, look, it's so great to sort of take this time machine back to the, it's a wonderful life of Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't watched it recently, you know. Go back and watch it. It's go back really and watch it. It's very it's easy. Great. You put the Blu-ray or go to Netflix or go to Amazon. It's like on every streaming platform. And uh, and check out Tapestry because it really is is one of the the best episodes of uh, of Next Generation and uh, one of the reasons it's the best is J C Brown so wonderful in it Marta so uh, (laughs) and uh, thank you for joining us it was great having you for having me Ashley thank you for being here thank you see we told you it would be painless relatively painless totally painless (laughs) so uh, anyway and thank you out there in uh, listener land for joining us for Inglorious Trexperts. Um, if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like the 430 Movie 
and uh, Rebel on the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday, and Best Movies Never Made, one of my favorites, every other Monday. And all our podcasts are now available um, on the Electric Now um, channel, which you can stream through Stir TV and Distro TV, and the Electric Now app will be available soon. Uh, Stir TV has a great program guide, so you can see what episodes are uh, are streaming, and uh, you can look at our smiling faces, which is always a delight, no doubt. <laughs> and uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Four will not suffice, only five. There are five stars. And finally, very special thanks to uh, uh, our sound engineer who makes the sound so good every week, Mr. Bill Ritter. Bill Ritter, do you know what this episode is? Have you watched it on MeTV recently? No, I'm sorry. Oh, you got to watch it. Now you will. It's great. I will. Keep track of that. Yeah, keep track of it. <laughs> yep. Okay, very good. And a very special thanks to uh, producer Natalie Miscali, who's back from her hiatus uh, traveling. Welcome back, Natalie. I won't even ask if you've seen this. I know the answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Dean Devlin, without whom this show would not be possible. So uh, keep, uh, uh, you know, we'll be back next Saturday with all new uh, episodes of Inglorious Trexperts. Uh, until then, keep on trekking and gloriously, of course, engage. Engineered by Bill Ritter for the Electric Surge Network.